0: Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, I hate my new job. things that has changed as individuals have had to take over their own career management is more mistakes are made by younger professionals. Years ago, larger organizations had a more complete HR approach and managed their employees' careers. Well, that's not so true anymore. Now, younger associates don't have an HR advisor to turn to, or if they do, the advisor is unlikely to have solid recommendations for them, or worse even still, they tell several people about the problem. More experienced managers and executives are often caught off guard by the mistakes of their junior team members. So what do you do? Well, first we recommend you shut up about it. <laughs> or, more politely, be quiet about it. Anyways, we we got a lot more. But before we get on with the show, I want to remind you that it's time once again for the Podcast Awards. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Podcast Awards are, at least for now, are the closest thing to an Emmy for the podcasting world. Nominations close on September 30th, so if you'd like to nominate us for the award, as you might guess, we'd appreciate it. The extra visibility from the award, and we've won Best Business Podcast in both 2006 and 2007, helps us grow our audience and reach more managers. And for that reason, we're asking for your vote again. And there are a number of categories you can nominate us under, but the best one probably is the business category. And you can not only nominate manager tools, but you can nominate any podcast in a number of categories, There are a lot of great podcasts out there. I know a lot of you listen to great ones. Take the time and go ahead and and vote for them. It makes a difference to the folks that put the time and effort into putting the podcast out. So, enough self promotion. Here we go with the show. You know, we, we've talked about situations like this before, right? I mean, more people these days come up in a different system than their bosses did. And so bosses sometimes don't read their team members' behaviors accurately, and bad things happen.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I actually think this is one of the reasons why the generational um, mindset seems to be so prevalent. It's monumentally, it's galactically stupid, but be that as it may, I, I just think that senior people, in uh, organizations who are required to evaluate junior people um, uh, just have a different formative experience as 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 all senior people have relative to junior people since the beginning of time uh, or at least in the last 150 years since they've been big organizations and um, and they they look at their behavior and they think that that makes no sense to me why are they doing that and they 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 don't try to guess at, at their intentions. They just overlay their own intentions on it when when they wonder why they wonder what would cause them to do that. Um, and, and in a way it's just like our communication training. Um, too often we see somebody else behave, do something. And like I said, we interpret what they're doing based on what our intent would be in order for us to do that. Um, and it's just it's like drugers. It's a recipe for friction and misunderstanding. Uh, it's the same thing here. These young people come in, and uh, and not necessarily young. They can be they can be not young, um, and they have a different formative experience or a different experience in a different culture or a different company, and they behave distinctly differently. And and it just if somebody starts not liking their job, it goes. It can go downhill real fast.
0: Yeah, you're right. So they they see some behavior that was informed by their knowledge or training, and it ain't so in this case, and they make some yeah. conclusions.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, they think that newer person is acting out. I mean, particularly if they talk right. Um, um, if you were if you were if your formative experience was such that you didn't talk to other people, and then you see somebody talking, you have to assume, wow. Um, or they think not a team player, right? They're an individual, which is something that um, um, people who have more experience in, let's just assume large organizations, but this applies to small organizations too. Um, they just uh, assume that, um, Hey, not not a team player or even worse disengaged, which, well, yeah, not good. Not, good.
0: not good. And yeah, kiss the death if you're working for me,
1: but yeah. And I, I would say that most other execs say the same thing. They don't, You know, look, if you're engaged, if we disagree about some stuff, that's okay, right? But if you're engaged, maybe I can line you up. But if you're disengaged um, in today's world where everybody's job is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which actually is a good thing. um, If you're disengaged with a big job, people start saying, how can I replace that person? Because most managers aren't schooled in how to coach, how to develop. And so they write you off. So you've written it off. They've written you off. And you wonder why it comes to an end abruptly. Okay, <laughs> so, so
0: so how do we how, how do we stop people from making that mistake? What's what's our agenda this week?
1: Good, five major points. Um, the first thing you do is shut up about it. I, I think you said that in the intro. <laughs> um, I probably shouldn't say shut up, but we recommend you be quiet about it, um, uh, which which goes against today's modern social norms. It seems. Um, Number two, don't disengage. Um, That is the classic mistake when people call me. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Number three, continue to deliver results. Number four, you've got to know. We we recommend remembering, but if you don't know it, you can't remember it. Remember the 18-month rule. Um, And then lastly, you've got to build and maintain your relationships inside and out the organization um, so that no matter what happens, you'll be in good shape. Yeah, that that's that's a big
0: surprise. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I hope our longtime listeners saw that one coming. I mean that, that has got to be kind of core to what we talk about all the time, and we hear all the time from members who've been out of a job, and then they get they get they tell us that hey, the, I I didn't even have to to search the job search was over in a week because their network was yeah. so active and current. So okay, so let's let's start with number one. Shut up or more politely be quiet, be quiet about it.
1: Yeah. We don't, we don't mean to be rude. Um, we're just trying to be dramatic. Is it okay to be dramatic by saying shut up? I, um, I don't know. At the cost of being rude, I guess. But Yeah. Okay. I'm, we're really not rude people. I know you're not rude. I think some people think I'm rude. Um, but anyway, um, it's pretty simple. If you're thinking the job you're in fairly soon in the job isn't right for you, for whatever reason... Um, And we'll do different casts on the reasons why somebody wouldn't like a job. Um, We're going to exclude right now the issue where you have been repeatedly asked to do to engage in unethical behavior um, or you're being physically abused by your boss or something like that, in which case the answer is just quit. Um, But 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 barring those. Um, rare instances. They're not not unheard of, but they are rare. Barring that, if you're thinking the job you're in isn't right for you for whatever reason, the first thing you got to do is keep quiet about it. You have to make a decision. Okay, shut up. Don't talk to your friends. Don't talk to your peers, whether they're your friends or not. Don't talk to your directs. Holy Toledo, don't talk to your directs. Don't ask for time with the boss. Okay, sure, your spouse, we're not going to tell you You know, we're not marriage counselors, but I'm sure share with your spouse unless he or she works with you um, and and um, is in a situation where um, they are exposed in some way. Um, But otherwise, don't do it. Um, It's it's just too dangerous. Right. And and that's really
0: our bottom line guidance here. Folks, if you're one of the, the folks that think of us as being right, at least most of the time. (laughs) <laughs> and you don't have, and, you, and you don't yeah. have a strong differing viewpoint, then you might just keep quiet based on this simple direct recommendation. that's enough, but yeah, but for those of us who need to be convinced and those of us who want a rationale, why do you say what you say?
1: You know I, <laughs> we could go a hundred different ways here um let's just let's just take the personnel approach why you shouldn't talk to each of these people and and the reason I put this in is because. Uh, I was having a conversation well oh, it's been a couple of years ago now with a uh, I'll say a a, a a junior executive a senior manager twenty nine thirty years old and um, um, in, in the course of the discussions she she text messaged me something to the effect of of um, uh, just, just using very slangy descriptions for her job situation. And so I said, you know, that's the first time I've ever gotten a text message like that. She says, yeah, I was, I was sending it to three or four people. And I thought, and I said, what, really? And she said, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, um, you know, you and I have been talking about what to do and so on. and, And I realized that I had left out this piece of guidance just because stupid me, I assumed that people knew you just don't talk about these things. And when I actually, in fact, she was a, a, a manager to client. I, I went back and tested the the hypothesis with a few people. And, oh, everybody knew. And everybody had been talking to other people. And, the, you know, the, the the cat was out of the bag, Horseman Horseman's Six Law. I, I was stunned. And so this is how I start. Um, I didn't used to say this, but this is. Yeah. Okay, so, this, so why would you be stunned, though? I mean, surely these
0: folks cared about this friend or, or, or ma- this manager we're talking about. And, right. And, and, and yeah. uh, certainly they're not going to do anything to harm her. So, so <laughs> wh-
1: <laughs> Well, yeah. Was that, um, would I say that with a straight face? <laughs> and that was well done. Okay, good. Good. Very good. good. Um, I tried hard. <laughs> yeah, sure. They did. They do care about them. Um, but since when did caring about something or someone become the primary determinant to qualify somebody as a good listener and somebody therefore to be discreet discretion seems to be in all too short a supply these days. Um, let's go beyond defining a good listener as one who agrees with every point I make, right? Your friends and peers will just simply agree with you. And and even if they don't agree with you, they'll tell you, they agree with you to listen to more of your story. Um, caring about someone else's situation is actually not a good criterion as it means the listener will more likely agree with the characterizations of the speaker. Um, and we, we could talk for half an hour about this, but in times of stress, characterizations are the best that most of us can come up with to describe our situation. I mean, it, we're not actually describing what happened, not what others really actually meant, not what really led up to it, um, but rather our characterization, our opinion, our supposition, and quite frankly, insight that's Tendentious at best. We, we, we make up things to support the worldview that we have. And if we started not liking our job, it just we we look for reasons why people would do things to make our job difficult. So yeah, Yeah. yes, yeah. I mean, seriously, I could go. I could talk about that for an hour. Okay, but don't. (laughs) (laughs) I I promise I'll stop.
0: Okay, so okay, so we got that that point. What what else?
1: Okay, so let's go back to the personnel. um let's start with friends, okay? Uh, just look, I, I know that there are people who are listening who are under the age of thirty or even under the age of twenty five who who say, oh, yeah he's he's older and he doesn't understand our generation and so on. Um, I, I respect your your point of view on this, and um, perhaps we are fundamentally different, although I tend to think that the things that are make us similar, particularly if we're all working in large organizations, Um, are far more common, far more um, binding than the things that are make us different. But um, it was a monumentally bad idea when Mike and I were 22, 23, 24, 25. And it's still a monumentally bad idea because your age is much less important than your organizational construct. Don't share your concerns with your friends. They'll agree with you. I alluded to that before. When in fact there's no certainty that you're right, okay, then they will do something far worse than agree with you. Um, they'll adhere to Horseman's Six Law. I think I just mentioned that there are no secrets. They will assume you told them as a friend that there is no professional discretion associated with the information. That it comes to you to them under the currency of friendship. And thus, that currency can be spent with other friends who, since they really don't know you, but they know the person that's telling them who was your friend that you told. If Since they're telling a third party that doesn't really know you, that person can't possibly do any damage with this new information spent with the currency currency of friendships. And this is just a classic rookie mistake. Yeah, but to be
0: honest, though, you and I both know lots of seasoned managers and executives
1: who do tell their friends. Yeah, they do. They've Um, told us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And and those whom they're telling have been through layoffs themselves. They've had to fire people. They've been in the steel cage death match meetings. They know what information their friends share with them that is friendship currency and, and that information, which carries the burden of professional discretion. And by the way, just, just to be clear here, um, we include all social networking media in this prohibition of talking to your friends.
0: Wait, 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 minute! Are, are you saying you can't Twitter this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Steve Holden's going to die here. How, how about um, Davis? Davis
1: is going to be upset. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, didn't I say once that if we decided that anything that went into a cast that might upset somebody would have to come out, we wouldn't have much to say? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I think so. But no, no Twitter, no friends, no no um, MySpace, no Facebook. Um, even if you work to live, that the only reason you have the job you're in is to pay the bills, um, you do actually have to pay the bills. You go you sound off about your disappointment, um, to, to anyone. Um, and, 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 and by definition, if it's not to your boss and if it's not well composed, it's unprofessional to do so. Um, because you're, you're essentially, um, uh, n- speaking ill of the organization, which your boss represents. Um, it, it just comes across as unprofessional. Um, and so no, no. Okay, and you said something before the cast here when we were
0: talking, kind of getting ready for this, that I thought was pretty important. And it kind of informs this whole prohibition of communicating about one's job concerns. Why don't you, why don't right. you share that here? Yeah,
1: and you know you know, what's funny? As I sit here thinking about it, we don't want – I mean, I've said prohibition five times. You just said it. I, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. We're not um, – you know, it's not like we're – I don't know. I don't want people to not have friends. We, we we're okay with, with people having rich personal and professional lives. We want that. Um, but this not liking your job and talking about it is one of those areas you just have to stay away from. Um, and what I alluded to before was horseman's first law of job changes change when you want to not when you're forced to um, what, what I mean is pretty simple, right? Once a job changes in the works for you, when, when it becomes plausible, not that you're going to get promoted or you're going to get fired next week, or you're going to get laid off or you're going to get acquired. And so your job is in the air, whatever, when it's plausible that a job change might happen, you've got to become aware of your activity around your professional life in such a way that you control the timing of your own transition. That requires some planning, and it requires thinking about timing a little bit. It's not hard. Once you do it the first time, all this prohibition we're recommending, the first time you do it, you'll discover that it doesn't feel any worse. You don't feel like you didn't share with your friends or that you were suddenly a CIA agent that was that was clandestine about everything. Um, it, but, but it requires some planning and some sensitivity to timing, and you only you can be the best influencer of those issues. Um, To to our point about communication, telling others introduces uncontrolled variables because you don't control them and they are variable. Um, It it, it introduces unknown players. It introduces random actors. um, And it introduces chance in such a way as to massively increase your uncertainty, reducing the chances that you're going to get to change when you want to. In other words, it increases the chances that you might be forced to. I'm not saying somebody's going to get fired because you mentioned it to your friend. I'm saying it increases the chances that you're not going to be ready for a conversation with your boss, um, that there's going to be rumors going around that you don't know about. And trust me, folks, there are rumors right now in the place where you work about you that you don't know anything about yet. Right. Um, yeah. So, so This is
0: all about just simply reducing risk, right? I mean, Yeah, it is. The, it's risk-rewarding. The rewards of sharing it with somebody. I wish I'd th- said that. Are much less than yeah. the risk associated with it.
1: Exactly. And, and look, if I tell you, if we're, you know, for young professionals starting out, I see it as a reward, right? I'm sharing with you. I'm strengthening our bond. I'm sharing with you something that's hypothetically confidential. And I, I overestimate the reward and I underestimate the risk. The problem is. Um, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. This is one of those casts that we put in that, in that category of let's help people that are starting in their careers, newer professionals, however old you might be, let's help them avoid the bad judgment, right? We did it. (laughs) I've been stupid before. Please don't be stupid the way I was in the past. Don't do that. Right. Learn from us. We made this mistake. Don't do it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Just a, just, it's just a bad idea. So, yeah so we okay so we don't tell our friends right Um, they're too nice and we like them because they're talkative and too talkative Um, and so (laughs) I would assume we're not going to share this with our peers either
1: yeah and I just make that distinction because some I I told somebody once don't tell your peers and they then told their friends and I I was like oh I'm sorry I, I think of your friends as your peers oh no I have friends all over the organization Oh, good. How senior did we tell someone? <laughs> uh,
0: I, well, I, I'm glad you're putting this in here because I, I, I would never assume my peers are my friends either.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, you don't tell your peers. Uh, unless your peers are already sainted, your job concerns almost always create opportunities for different behaviors from them. Look, they're, they're probably going to be at least ostensibly reasonable about it but there are often underlying motivations that come to the surface that are just not helpful to you. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> or, or to the company you're in. Um, I, you know, I, I do think, just just real quick, uh, as an interesting little tangent, don't you think that um, uh, people who've joined the workforce in the last couple of years uh, probably have a um, – a belief that collaboration and um communication and and community and teamwork are all probably going to be in much greater supply than they actually are if they're working at a mid or large company yeah i would assume right. I, I would assume that right and folks it's just wrong okay um large organizations are are a bit like who was it i think it was Hobbes, maybe, or maybe it was locked. that said nature is red and tooth and claw or life without civilization would be nasty, brutish, and short. Um, sometimes organizations are less civilized and it's a function of power and structure and verticality. And we respect that. Um, but, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think if you tell your peers, there's a chance that a peer who is a, a nice person and wants to get ahead, I think, they 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 may very well use your um, your information against you.
0: Right. I hate to say that. The, I guess the other point is a lot of your peers are going to feel that there's some obligation to the firm or to your boss. Yeah, you know, um, they're not trying to be mean.
1: They just they're right? just trying to fulfill their obligations to the organization. And that is the, and and what happens is right. If I tell you and you feel you're fulfilling an obligation to your boss. It may be a tough ethical choice for you. You you, you lay awake, you talk to your spouse a little bit about it, and then and then you make the call, and you feel you've done the right thing. And I don't see you as doing the ethically professional thing, right? I see you as ratting on me, right? And and so once again, we're back to behaviors versus intent, and trying to understand why somebody else would do that. Um, nobody, look, no no one has an obligation. Um, to share this kind of information with the boss. If you're a peer, I mean, in, in terms of, um, in terms of, well, there are companies who have tried to enforce such a compulsive policy. Um, uh, and there are some executive roles where you're obligated to tell it's, it's, it's the nature of fiduciary responsibility, but there are those who would feel obligated to do so whether they're an executive or not. Um, maybe you disagree, maybe you'd feel betrayed, but they would have some legitimate precedent for for sharing something like this if if you shared with them, with the boss. Um, And here's the kicker. To me, the scary thing is imagine your boss finding out from somebody else, right? Even if you're not leaving, the information about your concerns now has metadata attached to it, which is he or she's concerned and didn't want me, the boss, to know. That is damaging, in my opinion, to your ethical professional relationship with your boss. Now, every move you make is going to be evaluated through that prism of your're unhappy, and you 're not communicating with me about it. If you had a home run with a project, she may well see that as resume building and 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 the last thing you do before you announce. Um, I, I, have talked to managers who said, I went to my boss, I hit a home run and the boss was surprisingly downbeat about it and found out later the boss believed they were leaving and thought they were just feathering their own, their own resume. Um, and, and it just stunned the person. Oh no, no, I got over that. I, I don't, I'm not thinking about leaving. I just, you know, I was going through a bad patch or something. Yeah. Big mistake. You told somebody. Um, so if you're late in the morning, you were interviewing, Right. Right. Even if you do have a new baby at home, and oh my gosh, I'm your boss. I'm saying you have a new baby at home. How stupid you are looking for a new job while a new baby <laughs> is at home. Well, you weren't interviewing, but because you wouldn't tell them, they're looking at you through a new lens because you told a peer or you told a friend, and now suddenly we got all this mixed up stuff going on. It just yeah.
0: Okay. Hey, look, I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna go off script here for a second and just have a frank conversation with our audience. I'm going to ask my next question because it's in the show notes, but folks, I actually know the answer to this before I ask it. I'm not that dumb. Okay. But, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the show notes. Mark spends a lot of time writing them and I, I don't want to uh, denigrate his, uh, his contributions here. So I'm just going to go with the script. So, okay. Now back to the regular show. Um, how about directs? You tell them?
1: <laughs> that was good. Oh, I'm going to remember that for a long time. Yeah. I can only it's, – it's ten times worse. Telling your directs is ten times worse than your boss. And I believe there is at least one – what do you think, partner? There's at least one person out there who said, well, I know I'm not supposed to tell my boss – but I could probably tell my directs. There's one person, right? We're tight. We're, we're like this. I'm, 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 I'm crossing my fingers showing
0: how tight we are as a team. <laughs> Holy Toledo. <laughs> they um, follow me across the, the ends of the world over a cliff. I can share anything with them.
1: <laughs> there we go. Um, it is none of your directs business. Um, it's between you and the company. You fundamentally damage your credibility with your directs when you do so. Your credibility with your directs is core to your ability to influence and guide them. Hello. If you blab to your directs, you are damaging your firm's ability to accomplish its mission. That's why people get fired. Um, it's grounds for termination in a bad enough case. If you tell an awful story about how you've been given the short end of the stick, um and you do so in a way designed to make the company look bad and to make you look good or righteous or appropriate or whatever, um, you are, uh, it's, it's, you, you have no business sharing your career problems with your directs. Um, when your relationship with them is ultimately about organizational success, the reason they are your directs, the reason you have your role is because of organizational success. It's the reason you exist. You are the company to your directs, whether you want to be or not. Um, You love being the company when you deliver information that gives you authority and power and influence over them. Well, guess what? The company gives you that authority, influence and power as a nature of your role. You can't then ethically ethically now, Act as if you are now not the company. Any such admission would imply that for all future communications, your team is going to have to be thinking, "Okay, is, is, is he telling this for her or for the company? Well, you know, who 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 who's the actor here? Is it the company or is it her who doesn't like her job?" Yeah. Ouch. Well yeah. Thanks for setting me straight. Yeah. That, exactly. I I, I, I finally reached it. through to you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay
0: and the next one i won't preamble this one uh and
1: don't talk to your boss right <laughs> i think we've covered the we've covered the waterfront right people probably feel hemmed in and locked down and oh my Pretty gosh much. People, people are going to write and say you, you, you i mean i feel like a cia agent right i said well about this you should yeah and we have um, a
0: good and we have a good friend who i recently spent some time on the phone coaching and um Ugh. Yeah, if, if if you're listening, because <laughs> because when this person called me, of of course, um, of course it was too late. the the, the conversation started with,
1: "I've told my boss, is that okay?" Yeah, um, hmm, maybe well, not. doesn't doesn't matter whether it's okay. Right. <laughs> the cat's <laughs> out of the bag, right? Um, look, you know, there's one there's one group we didn't mention before we get to boss. There's one group we didn't mention, which is HR. Okay, and I don't want people thinking that. Um, because um, we, we have strong feelings about HR here. We're leaving them out. Um, uh, th- there are times where you could go have a private conversation with someone in employee assistance if it's that bad. Um, but generally, uh, the person you're going to talk to, if you're fairly new in the organization or uh, if you're um, just starting your career, um, the person you're going to talk to is probably a generalist um, they probably don't know how to advise you. They're probably going to want to help you solve your problem, and anyone else working on this problem other than you is very dangerous. Uh, and they are even more the company than your boss is. Um, so I want I want to lump those two together because the company and, or the HR and your boss both are the company. So
0: right. look. And, and again, uh-huh. and which is you've made the distinction already. I just want to reiterate: we're not talking about malfeasance. We're not talking about ethical no, right. or moral issues. We're talking not talking about abuse. We're not talking about sexual yeah. harassment. Those are not the things we're talking about. We're talking about. You, you know, you didn't get the job you wanted, didn't get the promotion yeah. you wanted. didn't get the raise you wanted. And you know, goes, yeah. list goes on and on. But we're not talking about the the former category of issues in right, those cases which are,
1: which are fairly black and white. There yeah, are people yeah. that we talk to. you and I see it all the time in consulting with clients which describe a gray area as black and white. they're They're very fact and truth driven. And unfortunately, the world is not filled with truth. As long as there are human beings in the world, the world is not filled with truth. spiritually, it might be, but but, organizationally or operationally day to day. It's not. And, um, but the vast majority of people understand the difference between, you know, malfeasance and, you know, ethical wrongdoing and those kinds of things. And look, if you get in that situation, all this stuff goes out the window and what you do is you stand up and be counted and you say, I quit. Um, right. and, and maybe, maybe you engage a lawyer, right? Or you talk to HR and say, I need some protection here because he hit me. Um, or, uh, he asked me to fudge an Excel spreadsheet to put wrong numbers in it. And if somebody asks you to do that, folks, disregard all this and and talk to somebody. And if you need to, if you don't want to talk to somebody in the company, talk to us. But, you know, you, you can quit. And, and even though we're about to talk about the 18-month rule here in a little bit, um, gosh, just, you know, the, the 18-month rule goes out the window if you're being asked to Um, If you're being abused, if you're being ethically mistreated, those kinds of things, there's a way to talk around that, and and we'll talk about that in a future cast. Thank you, Mike. That's a great, great point. We probably... Could have talked about that sooner in the cast and helped some people who were wondering, my gosh, I got to talk to somebody about this terrible thing that's happened to me. And they're telling me not to say anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. It, it, uh, it, look at it, when we talk about not talking to your boss. I
0: mean, we're not we're not saying, hey, you can't go ask questions or seek more understanding of your roles and responsibilities or tasks, key deliverables, those kinds of things. We're just we're just saying don't share that you dislike it, and, right. and and if you do, I mean, what you're going to do, what you're going to get is the age-old response, which is everybody says that in the beginning. You just need to give it more time;
1: it'll get better. exactly. So, so they give you what amounts to a pat answer, right? You, you, you. I'm sure you've done it. I've done it. Um, and then they approach conversations in the future with you with caution, particularly if you've just started and they haven't developed a relationship with you. When you finally realize that you were just applying your old habits to this new role, and now you're you're finally getting it, and you're going to be good at it, it may be too late because your boss has already formed an opinion. Yeah, now, now say that again, because i, 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 t- I got to tell folks
0: this is a trap I've fallen into, and the worst job I ever got, at least what I thought was the worst job, working for the worst manager I ever thought I would get a chance to work for, um, turned out that she fundamentally changed my trajectory of my career by yeah. um
1: that's good Those by, by, by great, coaching yeah. and direct feedback so so okay so say that again because that's an important I, point you just said i i know what part you mean um when you finally realize that you were just applying your old habits to a new role and now you finally get it and you realize you're going to be good at it yep, yep. that's it yeah it's an it's one of the underlying drivers of this show. Too many people go into new roles, promotions, reorgs, changes, new teams, boss changes, mergers, acquisitions, whatever, and apply all of their old rules or habits. It's it's a function of gee, I got promoted or something good happened to me. Why shouldn't I do more of the same? It's it's the tragedy, the welder, in, in a manner of speaking, um, and they wonder why either the results they're getting are different or their sense of satisfaction is different, and they get depressed. But it's not the job, folks it's the change right and this
0: reminds me of the 3s curves we've talked about several times at conferences and you and i yep. talk about it quite often and i don't think we've recorded that yet we need to do that that's for right. sure but the bottom line of all that though is some folks just want to keep doing what they've
1: always done regardless rather of than the what change the job requires yep you're, you're not paid to do what you like i'm sorry though look if you like what you do if you like what you're paid to do, life is sweet. Good for you. More of that is better. Uh, you're paid to do the work of the job. As Drucker says, you ask yourself, what can I do? In the form of your abilities and your role. And it, your role makes a difference. Hold on. I've got a dog going nuts. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, we love that dog, but it's just not a podcasting dog. <laughs> All right, so back to our regularly scheduled show. Uh, <laughs> so early on, when you begin to hate your new role, you resolve to keep quiet. I, I think we made that abundantly clear.
1: Right. But this is true for any job change, right? Yeah. Internal move, demotion, promotion, outside hire, lateral move, reorg, downsizing, right-sizing, merger, acquisition, new division, new location, doesn't matter be quiet okay good all right so let's get on a
0: different horse here and talk about number two don't disengage which is i've done it it's easy to do
1: yeah don't do it yeah um um i I would like to think that one of the things that helps our listeners is that they care about their directs and it's really hard if, if, if you're a manager right to disengage when you see your directs flagging because, because of your disengagement, right? But this is a big one, it, it, and, and I hope, hopefully it's obvious, like I say, to, to many folks. L- let's be detailed nevertheless, though. In a nutshell, here's the way I want to put it. The feeling of dislike for your job leads virtually everyone I have ever known into a state of lower performance that today's jobs can no longer afford for most professionals. You're unaware of it? You spend 20% of your time thinking about new jobs, about different jobs, about different companies, about the wrongs done to you. And then you get a call into the boss's office. And now you're violating my first rule of job changes. Right. Change when you want to, not
0: when you're forced to. Yeah. Okay. And what we mean here is that if you don't actively work against your own attenuated interest in the job, you're not even going to notice that kind of slow,
1: inevitable decline of either your results or your relationships with folks. Yep, right. In the case of results, you'll quickly have rationales, which your boss will see as excuses, and you'll let relationships slide because you won't be up to either faking it or asking for help. Um, So stay with your job. Dive in. Deliver results, which we're going to talk about in a second. Do your one-on-ones. Give feedback, just like water, frequently. Coach. Step up. Volunteer. Get to know your boss's needs. Help her achieve her goals when you can. Bloom where you're planted. I saw that on a card the other day.
0: Okay, by, uh, by the way, I I just totally dislike that, that
1: whole bloom when you're planted. A thousand flowers my, my, blooming. We're trying to reach all audiences. Oh, I'm sorry. Not just people who think exactly like us. You mean this is not about me? I'm, um, I'm shocked. Yeah, I think the bigger question in the audience is <laughs> it's not all about Mark. <laughs> You're too kind for anybody ever to think that about you. Look, folks, build your capital for the day you're going to spend it like you always do because the capital you spend in a job search is just like the capital you spend in getting promoted. It's all the same results and relationships. Don't disengage from those two watchwords. Right. Yeah. And we may be able to make
0: really short work out of deliver results, you know, in light of what we've. You know, share to avoid
1: disengagement, right? Yeah, I think you're you're right. Um, It's a slight oversimplification, but results and relationships are the cornerstones of successful career management practices. We just want to make clear, standing on their own, two key pieces of the results rule concept here. Um, As one starts to think about leaving a job earlier in their tenure. Um, The first is, it's your job. It's what you're paid for. Um, if you go to work this reminds me of the Jimmy Buffett song where the guy is sweeping up and the guy says, somebody stops and says, Hey, you seem to be pretty busy at that. He's "Hey, this is my job and I do it well. Um, it may just be sweeping up, but this is my job and it's important to me. And that's what I'm expected to do. And so I do the best of my ability. Um, if you go to work, if you cash your paycheck, you are ethically obligated to deliver results. You're morally required to do your best to achieve the objectives that the firm. Look, in, in the form of your boss, in most cases, loved or hated, smart or dumb, nice or jerk, doesn't matter. She or he is still your boss. Um, you are morally obligated, required um, to do your best to achieve the objectives the firm has set for you. It is, it is a moral compact, as, as close as we get to moral compacts in today's professional world. To give less of yourself is totally to give a nod to moral decay, to slovenliness, uh, to something other than professionalism. It's a, look, it's a professional sin, venial though it may be. Don't ever complain about somebody else's weaknesses or lack of effort or lack of energy. If you yourself take yourself, talk yourself into a less than your best approach to a particular job that you've decided you don't like. Um We've already made the case that you might be wrong. Okay. You might be, you may discover that you're just applying old habits to a new role and you need to make some changes and changes hard. We understand that. Um, um, We also made the case that you might not like it just because, you know, it's that whole principles from the last job. Right. And dang it. They don't seem to be working. Um, And so you don't like it. It's not easy.
0: Yeah. This is our vote for professionalism. For hard work that honors others rather than just
1: glorifying itself yep the second point is probably a more selfish one so if you got turned off by what i just said that this may help you a little bit you won't get any sympathy for poor results from a hiring manager because you didn't like the job you were in at the time yeah meaning
0: <laughs> the results we're suggesting you achieve can only be seen as building your future if you can't do it for the company
1: yeah, do it for yourself, right? Because because if you leave the job, you're going to have to look good on paper again when you go through the job search again. Yeah. Um, though yeah. to be fair, right? Wouldn't we agree that if you if you can't do it for the company, maybe you oughtn't be a manager, right?
0: Yeah, I I agree.
1: I yeah. agree. So, but but this this cast applies not just to managers, but to all professionals, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I'd say that to be true. And even if somebody listening to us didn't really. You know, we didn't think it ought to be a manager because of, of this particular point. I, I'd, I'd hope they do it for themselves because, in the end, they'd be doing it for themselves. But they'd be benefiting their directs. They'd be benefiting the company. Yeah, okay. They'd be benefiting Fair their enough. future career.
1: Yeah. Yep. Good okay. point. All right. So, what's the eighteen-month rule? Leaving a job early in one's career after less than eighteen months to go to a neg- to another firm is a negative initially in the job search you may be able to overcome it. It certainly can and has been done many times, but you may never get the chance as recruiters never give you an interview having raised that first eyebrow doing the math on the time uh, slots on your resume. Now, you said early in one's career, which is... I think
0: an interesting comment. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Um, the 18-month rule is, is somewhat less stringent later in our careers. At that point, there is an assumption that is either neutral or perhaps, not always, but perhaps, now not if you do it five times in a row, um, uh, perhaps even slightly in your favor. Look, if you've got a 15-year history of staying in jobs for quite a while or with one company with uh, promotions therein, we assume you've been operating with the knowledge that longevity suggests resilience, toughness, um, basically character traits that we will want to call on from you in tough times. In fact, we need to do a cast about making it through tough times. There's a there's a career management tool about making it through downturns we need to talk about at some point. Um, we know as we look at a longer career that you must, by definition, have faced some tough times. If you seem to have stuck through them, then a short stint can be acceptably explained away as I made a bad choice about a firm about to be acquired or I regret having done poor due diligence there. My boss and I didn't agree on anything and I, <clears throat> I politely stepped away. This is somewhat similar to to your experience, right? You went over yeah. to a different company and and I made a he- huge mistake
0: and. But it was it was later on in my career as far as exactly as, it's relatively far down my career. I had had a history of staying with companies' jobs for a long time right, right? close to a, close to a decade um, and so I, now I won't say it wasn't difficult it it was when you leave a company and then in my case, you know attempt to come back three months later um, it's difficult but I had a, I had a history I could point to, and I got past it. But
1: in the beginning of your career, you have no history. Exactly. Right. So you stay in your first job for a year. Look, you have to move in order to get married. We respect that. Then you leave your next job after a year. And we think, hmm, hmm I yeah. wonder. I wonder. Maybe, maybe some commitment issues. Perhaps. Yeah. If you, don't, if you don't have stellar results in the 18 months, you're in trouble. There, there's an issue.
0: Yeah. And what most man- younger managers don't realize is that stellar results in the first year of a big job are pretty unlikely. Yes. It takes a year of working through your firm's cycles and pressures and systems to know how to pull those levers well. Right. So leave short of that with weak results and it just makes things
1: harder. Right. And that brings us to our last point, which is building and maintaining relationships inside and out. You already said it might sound familiar to many people, and I sure agree, and I certainly hope it does. You're going to call on those folks
0: if you decide to leave. So right. the moment you sense some trouble in paradise, why not reach out then and start the bridge building then?
1: Ooh. Ooh, I just thought of something. I realized I didn't. We we haven't. We're not. I'm not ready to say it, but I just realized something. But, but when you realize there's trouble in paradise, that was the phrase that got me, by the way. When you realize there's trouble in paradise, don't call people. And in order to build the bridge, tell them that there's trouble in paradise. right? Oh, God. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, we made that point earlier. We recommend this both internally and externally because um, of that if you put in there, right? If you decide to leave, you may decide to stay. Um, for some, it's not like, like we said earlier, it it may not be the job. It's those old habits. Um, so you may discover after six months, you're really probably fine with the job after all. And in that moment, when you've realized that we encourage you to come back and listen to this cast again and be thankful that every single one of our recommendations that we have now walked through works, whether you stay or go. This cast is designed to help you not make your decision, but be ready for either one. The decision is a separate discussion. This cast talks about how you can be ready for no matter what happens. Right.
0: Because even though you might be thinking about it, things change. Right. And we're not here to tell you whether to stay or go. We're just here to help you succeed. And to succeed, you need to have options. And again, it goes back to that risk reward formula, right? We're just talking about minimizing your risk increasing right. rewards and, and ensuring that you have options to decide when to go. If you
1: decide to go, it should be under your terms. Right. There you go. And our final step says, go back, listen to the building relationships cast for a start. Um, bu- actually building your network. And it's not networking. It's building your network. Um, uh, and we'll have more detailed guidance about how to expand your network in different directions if you want to go to a different career in future casts. But our guidance here is to keep your network fresh and ready reach out to people, uh, identify those people that maybe you don't have a relationship with that you want one with reach out to them, have lunch with them, schedule time. I, I know we have a cast or at least I've said it a hundred times. It may not be in a cast is when you're managing your time, at least one luncheon every week is with someone else in your network. And if you do that once a week, um, and, and you're reasonably rigorous about it, you're going to get 50 lunches in the course of a year, which is way more than 99.99999% who are people who are listening right now. Um, so go back and listen to that cast so that if you do have to make a move, as Mike said, your your network will be ready to help. And if you don't have to make a move, you will have a strong internal network for all your pre-wires, for all of your internal machinations that you need to to be successful in a large organization. Um, <laughs> you, and and if nothing else, you'll know their email addresses or where they sit when you get promoted and you want to tell them about it.
0: Yeah, there you go. Oh, <laughs> I love that.
1: And I think that wraps it up. So, uh, you know,
0: I, I, I guess the, the thing I, I love about this cast is that all five of these steps work regardless of what your future holds. Whether you leave, whether you stay, it's just the right thing to do. So the five steps were, number one, be quiet about it. Number two, don't, don't disengage, stick in it, stay, stay in the fight, right? right? Number three, deliver results. It goes without saying, but deliver results. And, and guess, yep. by the way, if you're focusing on delivering results and actually making progress on your objectives, somehow the world seems just to work a little bit better,
1: a little bit easier, a little bit smoother, a little bit less friction. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Spend more time thinking about the work than your problems. Yeah. I'm Number good. four, remember the 18 month rule. Right and number five, build and maintain relationships both inside and out the company.
1: Yeah, and one more thing, I just want to touch on the eighteen month rule. There are there are people who are younger than us and are listening to this says I didn't know about that and I can't believe that's still true, folks. It's still true among the people who are looking at your resume.
0: Good. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. As always, thanks. Well, that's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions feel free to join us on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com forward slash forums. Hope to see you there. So long, everyone. See you next week.